Hello, and welcome to Two Moms, No Fluff. The uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Welcome, everyone. You are here. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been back many times, welcome to you as well. We are Two Moms, No Fluff. This is a podcast about all things having to do with parenting children with disabilities. We're so happy you're here. We're all here as part of our own journey to learn things, and uh, hopefully we'll learn things from you. You'll learn things from us, and uh, we're just here to make our lives a little a little easier, a little more productive, and uh, that's about it. So Iris, uh, you want to tell them what our topic for today is? Yes, I do. I ah, have a wonderful topic today. Today we are going to discuss how to ask for help, especially if you're a helper. And this whole episode, I think it's dedicated to my friend here, Alma Schneider, oh. because if there is a helper in the community, <laughs> this is she. I am telling you, Alma is the type of a person that sees the need before you actually ask for help. And she's already there with the ready-made oh. dinner, with some groceries <laughs> you didn't ask for, but she knew you wanted to buy. She would like think about you while she's doing things for her family in case you might need the same service, uh, ID, or experience. And Very sweet, this, but right back at you. Right back uh, at you, helper. I am telling you. Okay, Alma is in a league of her own. Thank you for the compliment, but let's let's put things in proportions. If I well, could help but people this is a, in the magnitude this, that you do. Well, okay. it's different, and that's what we're going to be talking about, right? That there are different ways to help and different people who we go to in our life for those different kinds of help. So I do the food thing and a couple of other things, and you do research things. And, and so I we all actually, have our fortes. I'm actually the one asking for help and Alma is the helper. Let's agree on that. <laughs> and we'll have a session in which Alma can tell us a little bit about how even she, as a person who's addicted to helping to uh, helping <laughs> others, sometimes needs help and how she approaches that. That's right. And um, I, I need a lot of help, Iris. I yeah. need a lot of help. And I can tell you, uh, everybody, that uh, I basically kind of flip sides from like a helper to a person that constantly needs help. Basically, the day that my daughter was born, because at her birth, I was also really badly injured, something that is called complete pelvic girdle separation. And uh, I was in a not so good shape. And everybody Ouch. that knows me, Yes, everybody <laughs> knows painful. me, know that I have kind of an obsession with like attachment and the bonding and everything that had to do with the early hours and days of a newborn baby was very important to me. And I researched uh, way before I had uh, even plans to get pregnant uh, about uh, kangaroo care and the incubation of premature babies. And even though my daughter was not premature, she was rushed to the NICU and was put obviously in an incubator and I couldn't like rush to the ho uh, hospital right away. And it was the first opportunity that I really, really relied on other people to help me. We basically, like my husband was with our baby the first few hours and I had to call family to come to the rescue. And, uh, and I guess, how do you call it? Like a, an airplane train started arriving. I had uh, my family come from, uh, 
well, my sister practically came from Thailand. My mother oh, came wow. from Israel. My brother came from uh, North Carolina. We were back wow. then in California and they all flew in to take turns carrying my daughter on their chest, bare skinned. So she has the skin to skin contact and the few hours that I was physically capable of being there with her, I did it myself. But the other time, I relied on the help of others. And uh, this is something like that I am really, really appreciative of till today. And uh, telling them, this is what's important to me right now. Can you mm -hmm. come? Can you do it? Or can you make it happen? And they did. So well, that must have felt so story. good that they responded immediately there to help you and support you. How did, how did it feel when you asked them? To come were you kind of reluctant to ask them because you didn't know if they were going to say yes or were they planning to come in anyway when she was born uh, well my mom did yes but everyone else it was a spontaneous kind of to the rescue here we come because oh, they're such good nice. people but basically i think that uh, that was one of those situations it's like when push comes to shove you know they this was i had to ask i was like totally kind of in despair and, mm -hmm. and, and I asked, and uh, after that, I continued the track of like a few months of being myself physically incapable of doing so many things. And I needed yeah. constant help in caring for my baby and caring for myself. I literally mm -hmm. had to have someone change my diaper. <laughs> so wow. it was like a really bad situation physically for me. But uh, what, what a new experience and it's something to learn from for all those uh, years coming of parenting a child with special needs, that was an education. Even the experience of sitting in a wheelchair taught me quite a lot. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm grateful, but I'm more grateful to the people that actually you know, showed up and helped. And we'll talk yeah. about uh, how to ask in more details after we continue on. Yeah, well, you're making me um, think about the fact that, you know, you were in a crisis situation like it was not expected it came out of the blue and you had this crisis and everybody you know runs in i think that that is often the experience of you know of many parents when there's a crisis and uh it's really important you know early on and i think a number of people do get that support early on it's when it's not a crisis um or perceived as a crisis anymore when you need the help and God bless those people who show up during those times when you don't have to pound it into their heads that it's a crisis. And I think that that's what's, you know, troublesome for a lot of people emotionally and practically when it, it doesn't seem to be a crisis, quote, you know, quote unquote crisis anymore. But as we all know, as parents of kids with disabilities, they are kind of a zillion little crises that happen all the time and we still need the help. So I just wanted to make that distinction between the really early on crises and what are not perceived as crises later on, because that can make it, you know, harder to ask for the help, especially, like you said, if you are someone who is traditionally a giver and not someone who asks for help. You know, if you're a person comfortable asking for help, it might not be that big a deal that you're always asking for help now. But if you're someone who considers yourself, you know, independent and you can take on everything, you do a lot of different things and you're very capable, that's kind of your identity. And so to go against that and ask for help can be really 
tough and make us feel like we're weak, that people will perceive us as not being capable, but mostly for ourselves that we're not capable. So let's, you know, you know, I'd like to talk about some, some experiences, you know, that I know of for when the kids are a little bit older, um, mm -hmm. that might not be as obvious as, oh my gosh, my baby was just born and I can't move. You know, that's, yeah. that's, you know, and I want to, I'm very grateful to the people who, you know, showed up at the hospital for me as well. Like we had, you know, so many people at the hospital supporting us when, when, you know, we, we were first given, we, we weren't even given a diagnosis at first. We were, we had about, you know, seven days till we had a diagnosis, but they knew that there was something that was awry and they were testing. And I had a lot of visitors and a lot of emotional support. And that was, that was incredibly helpful. And um, uh, I want to talk about a little bit later when I started, um, when my son was a little bit older and friends started inviting him, started having birthday parties for their kids. Um, this is, you know, and this is, I put this in the asking for help category because it was something that I didn't explicitly state to people that I need your help to invite my son to birthday parties because it will make me feel better and it will make my son, you know, be included, but mostly it'll make me feel, you know, better about him being different from other kids. So people would invite uh, Lincoln to birthday parties very early on, but slowly, slowly but surely they stopped. And that was a really tough, that was a really tough period until, you know, he started fostering some more significant relationships where it was a given that they were all going to be inviting each other to their birthdays, birthday parties. But again, I put that in the category of help because we don't want to ask. It's a very awkward thing to say to another parent, can you please invite my kid to your birthday party? Or... Um, which is some, something I did do one time. I said, you know, I, I have to ask you, I was kind of surprised that Lincoln wasn't invited to your daughter's birthday party. Is there a reason why? And I remember the mom saying, oh, it's just girls. It's just a girl's party. Um, they're going to be getting their nails done or something like that. Now, that might have very well been true. And in the, and in the non-disability community that might've flown like, oh, well that makes sense. But having a child who's different it, and simply just not being invited when they were only like three or four years old, I don't think that anybody would have had an issue with a boy being at that party, but the parent made that decision. And I was so hurt because this was a good friend of mine at the time. I was so hurt and um, I, eventually I did say something because I was really upset by it. And the response I got, um, you know, it didn't sit well with me and um, it was hurtful. And this is just one of many, many examples of the kind of invisible, I don't want to say invisible, but situations that happen when um, we have needs that we might not have had before with our other kids or that anybody would have even thought of and that people in our community might not have thought about like, oh, I used to invite him and now I'm not inviting him. And even though it's for a different reason, it takes on so much more meaning for us. And it's very, uh, it's, it's very stressful and, and emotional to go through so many experiences that people aren't, don't even have on their radar that could be hurtful. Uh, to a parent or, you know, a family with a child with a disability, but birthday parties are a really big deal. 
Yes. They're a really big deal. It's kind of the only opportunity for little kids to socialize if you're not in their class or if you're not, you know, if your child is in a, in a, in a preschool, for example, for kids with disabilities or a school, they're, they're really significant. So for those of you out there listening, I, you know, maybe some of you can, this resonates for some of you who have experienced this, but if you're listening and you have children, please keep in mind that it's so important um, that, that we be a part of the, the celebration, even if it's not, you know, a perfect fit for a party, at least, you know, if you could acknowledge it to the parent, it would go a long way. Something like, you know, I really want to invite you know, your child, but this is just girls, but I'd like to have a separate birthday party, uh, you know, just the two of them, something to show the, the person um, with the child that you're thinking about it. Um, and again, this is a lot to, you know, it feels like a, it's a lot to ask in the sense that this isn't intu intuitive maybe for a lot of people who don't experience having children with disabilities, but it really is, it's one of the early difficulties of having a child with a disability being excluded yes the birthday party situation so Definitely. again it's not a matter of asking for help but it sort of is because it's saying i need your help to to, to include my child yeah i can't come up with my own imaginary group of friends for an imaginary birthday party i need you to actually be there for us <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The birthday parties, I, Alma, have a confession to make. You won't believe it, but I once uh, really cut ties with a friend because uh, my daughter wasn't invited to their Listen, it happens birthday party. all the time. It happens yeah. all the time. I am not, uh, not proud, but uh, as you were saying that story, I'm just like, I'm remembering something from our very far past, but mm -hmm. you're right around that same age, like four years old. And there, there's really no reason because the kids themselves don't mind the disability at those ages. Right. They're kind of going with the flow, with whatever mm -hmm. goes on. It's just the challenge is usually for the parents around those times. And it just, uh, it's very sad, but mm -hmm. I, I hear your pain. I've been there too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just telling you the birth kind of story because it was really the gunshot to open like years long of being in need a situation yes. that i was not familiar with before and as both you and i know being in a helping profession uh, you know in both our cases it's counseling and uh, you know specifically like social work it's you know and rehabilitation counseling at the end of the day it's it's such a, a transition to be in that position that you don't just uh, randomly here and there need help but you're mm -hmm. constantly constantly in need of, yes. of help in yeah. so many different arenas yeah. and i want to mention to whoever is watching us now there is such a stigma in our society about being in need that yes. something is wrong with that and this is also a part of i think the difficulty of accepting people of different abilities it's like that's okay you would need help even if you're i don't know fully capable mm -hmm. one day you might injure yourself and need help it happens to the best yeah. of us yeah. and and needing help is a part of human condition we won't be able to survive without without the help and support of one another and having yeah. a community and embracing takes a village. that takes exactly. a village. 
embracing that and, and kind of really understanding that this is why we are here for. We are as a, a humanity, we need to be human and help each other. And uh, I think that there is shame about, oh, I'm a functioning adult. I can't ask other people to help. What would they think of me? That right. kind of stops people at their tracks. And also, it's like maybe the sense that you lost control over your life circumstances if you need other adults to kind yes. of intervene and help you. But mm -hmm. I say to the contrary, if you're on top of your act and you know what you need and you're brave enough to call someone for help, that means that you still have a plan you still mm -hmm. take charge of your own life circumstances. And even though they're hard and difficult and might be more complicated than others, you're proactive and you create, you're creating a better scenario for yourself and for your child. Something to think about. I always tell people the stronger, the, the strongest people know when they need to ask for help. You're aware and you need to get things done and you are in control when, when you ask for that. Oh, there's so many stories, Iris. Uh, another one I was thinking about was, um, you know, uh, once our kids get out, you know, I'm, I'm going sort of chronologically in my mind, <laughs> thinking about the different time periods of needing help. Having a child who cannot be left alone for, you know, a variety of reasons, it could be medical, it could be behavioral, um, you know, it costs a lot of money to get babysitters. It really does. And, you know, we do it sometimes, but we also, you know, we have to be conscious of, of you know, it, we're always thinking like, oh God, is it worth it for me to go to a movie? Because if I go to the movie, the movie's gonna cost money and then it's gonna cost this much for the babysitter and you end up spending a hundred bucks. So a nice thing to do is to um, ask a family member or a friend to watch your kid. So again, that's another example of asking for help. Um, you know, at an age where other kids might be on their own, you know, they might be 13 years old, but our, our kids cannot be left alone. And I always think about it as, um, you know, the chips, like my husband will say, like, why don't you just ask so and so to watch him or whatever. And I'm like, I can't use up our chips for that. Like the chips need to be used for, and I'm not talking about potato chips. I'm talking about like, you know, the chips, like the chips, like the poker chips. Like I can't use up those chips unless it's an emergency. This is not an emergency. So we might not end up doing a lot of things that um, we'd like to do because we don't want to use up the chips because we don't want to become a burden for people. And we only want to use up those chips when it's an emergency. However, I will say there are ways around that. So something that I've started doing with my friends is having a little co-op system where, so that we don't feel like we're burdening each other. We are making it, you know, more or less equal where I will go to their house and stay with their kid if they want to go out. And I will ask them to come and stay at my house and hang out at my house um, with my kid if we want to go out so that that way we're not paying a babysitter we can feel confident that our friend who knows our kid's situation is able to stay you know if that's possible with your kid um, and that's one way to deal with those asking for help but it's another way of asking for help but it's not saying it's not all one-sided it's yes. it's we're both helping each other by doing that um, and again, this is if, and it doesn't have to be two people with a child with a disability. It could be babysitting, you know, for a typical yeah. kid, but they're just staying, you know, at my house. But there's, that's one way to deal with the asking for help. Another, another thing that comes up with us is every once in a while, 
um, my son gets off of a bus, uh, you know, a minivan from his school, they drop him off. And if I'm not home, if I'm a little bit late, for those of us who have kids in this situation, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There is a panic if we feel that we're not going to be home in time, if we're going to be a few minutes late and our kid is going to be let off the bus or the bus is going to be waiting because nobody's home. So asking for help in that situation is something that can be awkward as well. Do you think you can go to my house and, you know, wait in front of my door or I'll give you the key. You wait inside. You know, people are busy. We don't want to ask. But people have asked me to do that. I've been more than happy to do it for them. And just, I think a rule, a good rule of thumb is to think, would I do this for someone else? And if your answer is, of course I would, then I think that we should feel comfortable asking that other person. Not everyone is able to do that because of their own schedule. So obviously we're not gonna ask the person who we know has serious plans every day after school. We're gonna ask someone who we know happens to, you know, maybe work from home and they can take, they can have a flexible schedule. But I will also say that even people who are really busy, but who are really close friends, those might be the people you ask because you know that they will be the people who will, without missing a beat, will say, I'm there. Yes. So asking, you know, a you guys busy person. Ask you a busy help, person. Ask a busy person. Exactly. And that's true. And we all have, you know, hopefully we all have people in our lives who, before you even finish the ask, they say, you got it, I'm, I'll do it. One of the hardest things is when we ask for help, and I and I do believe I'm speaking for many because I've had this conversation with many people. When you ask for for a favor having to do with your kid, and there's a lot of hemming and hawing, like, oh, um, I don't know. Um, Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, I just that. What I like to do when someone asks me to say. I'll I'm going to, I totally want to help you. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out because that's tough also because nobody wants to ask for help in the first, most people don't want to ask for help. And then when we're met with a response, that's like, and they might just be figuring out their schedule in their mind. It's not that they don't want to do it. And this is a, this is a nuanced thing. This is a small thing, but it, it's, it's, it does have an impact because it makes the asker feel uncomfortable about asking. So hopefully we all have people in our lives who are like, yes, like the yes people, like I'm there, I'll figure it out. Even if I have to bring my kid, I'll do it. And that's, you know, oftentimes there's a way to do something, but when we're met with like, mm, I don't, so we need to think about who we're asking. And not only because we think they don't wanna help us, it could be that this person is just not capable. Like they might be too stressed out. They might have too many things going on. They're not a bad person, but we don't want to put ourselves in that position again. Um, unless this was like a one-off where they, you know, so I'm just what I'm saying. Am I making sense here? Yeah, you are making sense. Okay. And uh, A, I, uh, I want to say something. We kind of spoke about it ourselves once that once you have a child with complex needs, Mm -hmm. It's kind of an odd situation in which it seems like suddenly all the masks are off from all the people in your life mm -hmm. and you really get to know them so well suddenly, good or bad. And yeah. uh, I always say that the best people in my life, uh, my daughter brought 
into my life in a yeah. way or mm -hmm. they, they were already there but she helped us see the best side of them yes and i'm so grateful like we couldn't have done it or couldn't have made it this far and have such success with our daughter without the help of others like mm -hmm. th this was a mission impossible for just two people and and, and i'm lucky i had a yeah. husband to kind of i still have a husband to carry the load with me and yeah. uh, I, i'm grateful for that and i'm also now grateful for having a son that is here but my family members the friends the community members people that were out of nowhere uh, there and able to help but in order to see that and in order to enjoy the the fact that people are out there willing and able and happy to help you mm -hmm. really need to do some reflection with yourself and some thought of, about what is going on right now in my life and uh, and ask yourself maybe what are the categories in which i need help and i mm -hmm. actually as you like it i always have a list <laughs> i know all my yes you're very organized i am it's very unfortunate uh, but uh, no, i am good. very organized and i i always kind of try to to look and create a list to myself so really things uh, for example going on right now in my life i am uh, looking for a new uh, gate trainer for my daughter that doesn't have a pummel and I am looking for a PT and OTs here in Midland, Michigan, if anyone knows, by the way, that uh, do mm -hmm. home visits. And I need to hire a new aide, etc., etc. My, my list is there, it's ready. But the next, uh, the next step is not only to write down the areas and the things, the tasks that you need help with, it's also maybe creating a, a mind, I don't know, or any, uh, a list in your mind's eye of the people in your life and organizations that are in your life and in your, in your community, mm -hmm. um, family, friends, whoever, and really thinking about them, who can help me resolve this and that problem? Mm -hmm. and 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 see if there is a connection like i in in my life i have a couple of friends that if i have like a, a need for medical advice and not that they're physicians actually i don't call my physician friends for medical help and advice but i, I call these two people and uh, and i trust that they read enough that they would give me a, a shout out like which direction i should uh, follow and i, I think e each person needs to kind of have a, a mental map of the people and organization in their uh, life and know who to call at what time because otherwise it's all kind of a chaos of uh, how do I even handle a list that can sometimes be like three pages long when you have a new diagnosis and you are just like what am I doing with all of mm -hmm. this and this is really helpful um, to kind of tackle the things and and, and some of those things like uh, finding a I don't know, a legal aid in a, a certain state, you can let a relative or a friend of yours search that online and yes. have, have them call different agencies and ask, would you help in a situation such and such? Yeah. It's not something that the parent is necessarily, you know, needs to be there. And yeah. that being said, Alma, before I move back to you, I, I wanted to say that it's also very, very important to know what help you don't need or you don't want to get so mm. like a, a tiny little thing like for example i would like after my injury i we would get uh, when i was a little bit better we would get back home from my physical therapy appointment my physical therapy appointment uh -huh. and i would want to step out of the car uh, 
holding uh, my baby, but there were a couple of bags of uh, groceries. And uh, the person that was with me came to grab the baby, like she would hold mm. the baby. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to carry the baby. You can help yeah. me with the groceries, yes. you know? So it's kind of like knowing what, what you need help with because my natural instinct, maybe the first couple of times was giving her the baby. And then I'm like, right. you know, I, I, I want the baby. I can carry the baby on yeah. the wheelchair and you can help with the, with the grocery. Uh, it's, it's knowing your limits, your priorities. And, and sometimes, again, when it comes to prioritizing what you need help with, you need to think again of your first, uh, yourself first. My case, sleep was priority number one. After mm -hmm. I had a few hours of sleep, I could think clearly about the situation. Without sleep, none of that huge list function. of tasks was relevant. And, uh, and then that was priority number one. Find help so I can sleep and then mm -hmm. everything else. So also prioritize. Yes. Back to you, Alma. Absolutely. It's, it's very true. And I love what you said about the going into the community. I mean, I personally don't have, didn't never have the situation where I don't think that I was overburdening people in my world because I really didn't ask for a lot of help. Um, but sometimes, you know, sadly, my parents are both, you know, both passed away. And so have my husband's. So we didn't have, you know, any grandparents in the picture. And my sisters and my brother live far away so I couldn't or not far away but far, they didn't live in our in our community mm -hmm. so but I can imagine and I've heard of other families where the family members might be burdened you know after a while like it's too much for them to help out so it's really important to look into services that are available in our community that can help with a lot of the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. It took me years and years before I found out that that respite was available that I have. And I always thought respite would be, you know, some very cold, you know, person who was inexperienced. I just had this idea in my head that they didn't know what they were doing. And then I found out that respite workers was just, they were, it was another word for like a trained professional who was a, who happened to be an aide in a classroom, a paraprofessional who did this on the side. So they were trained people who would take my son out into the community. And um, it's been great. And I've only been able to take advantage of this for the first few years, but it's something that I've been able to incorporate into our family's life so that my son can go out and not be with us all the time. We can do things that um, might not be great for him that might involve food or you know situations that would cause him anxiety. He's out with someone having a great time doing something, getting one-on-one -on -one time with them while we can do this. So this is a free program run by the state um, and it's really important to do that. But as you're saying, sometimes we need to ask someone else to do that research because that can be overwhelming. And a lot of these programs, unfortunately, are a little bit hidden. It's not so easy to just find them. So I would ask a social worker. I had a friend when I was in the hospital, when I first had Lincoln, a friend who happened to be a social worker, she looked into all this stuff about his syndrome and services for his syndrome when he was an infant, you know, right when we were in the hospital, something that would not have crossed my mind to do while I was sitting in there drugged up from, you know, <laughs> having had a C-section and, uh, you know, dealing with, with this diagnosis so early on. And, and that was the last thing that I was going to be able to devote my time to. So asking a friend or hopefully a friend will offer to do that, but asking someone who is equipped 
for that kind of task. So there are all, you know, that leads me into talking about, you know, the fact that there are all different kinds of help that we can uh, take advantage of in our in our community with our friends with our family so you have the the organizations that provide support for families for different needs um there are financial things that we might you know that the state might be able to provide some of but we might have family members that we and again this is a very awkward conversation that some families have family extended families uh family members with money and to say like do you think you'd be able to help us out with uh, camp, for example, I know a lot of uh, people that I know uh, ask their their parents for to pay for extra things that they can't afford that maybe you know their families members can afford to make their lives a little bit easier to provide services for their child that are fun, you know, a camp, after school activities that they might not be able to afford. So financially, maybe somebody can't be there physically to have kangaroo care holding a baby on their chest, but maybe they're happy to throw some cash at you, which will be really helpful. Then there are other ways of help, like we just said, making phone calls for us, you know, to insurance. A lot of people have you know, insurance issues, and we all know how long those calls can take. Asking a friend to do that from the comfort of their own home. Um, what are some other things, Iris, that you could think of? There's some... Yeah, I, I think the, the help uh, kind of possibility is endless. And yes. each, each family can have their own kind of agenda and routine. I remember that <laughs> uh, when uh, we had uh, our first baby, we were living in university family housing in Berkeley, California. Mm -hmm. And in those uh, uh, family housing, there weren't uh, laundry machines at home. And being that I was very ecological, I had cloth diapers for my wow. daughter. So even like doing the run, and I was, again, injured, couldn't quite walk well on my own. Doing the run with those bags of laundry to the laundry machine and back was a task. So it's like even little things like that. Oh, yeah. What I used to love about living next to you, Alma, is that you would call me from, the, you know, the supermarket what do you need i'm just like that was very smart and considerate N not to mention the times that you would show up with you always said meals. No. yeah but I you would know, never say you would never say pick this up for me why why it's uh, <laughs> a good question i think i did say yes to that but it's it, that also goes to show that it's all, not always the need but also the right. sense of support and care and that was priceless, Alma. Oh, I'm so Miss glad. being your so, neighbor. Yeah. Well, you didn't need, you didn't need me to do that. You had someone who would go, and you, don't forget, you had a supermarket and you're on the first floor of your building. So you didn't I know. really I, need that. I wanted to mention that, that by, at that point in my life, my situation was a little bit better, <laughs> considering <laughs> that it was just an elevator trip down. That's true. To, yeah. That's so true. That, that but was there likely. were, yeah. But you're right. The point is that there are so many little things that might mean nothing to someone to do for you, but that are hugely helpful. So even just calling a friend whenever you go to the supermarket saying like, you know, can you let me know when you go to the supermarket? Because if you could pick this up for me, it would be great. I think that a good way to think about it is when someone, you know, has a baby a neurotypical baby, or if somebody's in the hospital, what do you do? You help them out with shopping. You help that you always ask every time you're about to come over, you say, oh, is there anything I can pick up for you? It's sort of like that. It's really not that different. It's just making an effort to offer your services um, 
with whatever it might be. I, my sister a uh, few times came for the weekend when my kids were little and she stayed with, um, with my kids while my husband and I had a night or, or even I think we went for two nights one time uh, away. And that was huge, huge. You know, it was one, it was like two weekends out of her life, but to us, it was a really big deal. And, um, you know, we might have kids that where people, you know, they, they're, the needs that they have might be so complex that it's really hard to get people who understand those needs. So someone who you really trust, that is priceless to have someone that you can, you know, relax when you're out of the house to know that that person is there is so important. And I'll bet that that person, that other person feels good about the fact that they're, they are that person yeah. that you, that you see, see them as someone who's capable, who really knows their kid. And they might be flattered that you want them to be, you know, to come and to help yeah. you. So, you know, we might have preconceived ideas of, oh, I'm being a burden to this person, but that person might actually like that you ask them for help. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine. Not always, but maybe sometimes. But it's worth a conversation and even acknowledging because nobody likes to be taken for granted. So if you're asking a particular person a lot, say, I hate to ask you this. You know, I know that you've done this before and I'm so appreciative. And please tell me if this is too much, but but dot, 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 ask them for the help. So you're giving them an out to say, you know, I'm really busy. I, I'd love to help, but I can't. Um, but we don't know unless we, ha we have communication and a conversation yes. about it. And my tip uh, for that situation in general, for needing to ask for help, uh, this is, again, I'm borrowing from my days as a career counselor. When someone is practicing for a job interview, right, we many times use the technique of doing a mock interview and we mm -hmm. sit down and uh, I pretend to be the employer and I have a list of questions ready mm -hmm. for them and uh, depending on what they're interviewing for. And we just record the interview and then we review what went well, what went wrong and how we can improve for next time. So I'm telling everyone who has a really serious emotional challenge with asking for help, but they need it, that you can really practice for asking for help and have yeah. a friend pretend to be your mother-in-law and then you ask her <laughs> for help and she would say such and such and try to avoid it. And uh, you ask again in a different way and so on and so forth. Yeah. Try to imagine, I don't know, the most difficult person that you need to approach to ask for mm -hmm. help and practice with them as a role model in mm -hmm. a mock interview kind of uh, setting so great. you can practice, but uh, nobody gets, uh, you know, injured along the way. Yes. Uh, uh, you I know what tell you, you that I got injured several uh, times. Well, that's, we want to avoid the emotional pain of being, because it's a form of rejection. It's a form Definition. of rejection and let's own it. Like it is, a, you feel isolated when somebody says no, or they don't make it, they don't seem like they want to help you. It hurts because it brings up all these things about how we're othered, you know, how we are, we are different and we're a burden. And this life that I have now is too challenging. It brings up so much stuff for emotions, so many people. Yes. It's a lot of emotions, but you just gave me a really great idea that you know how when if you're gonna you know I, sometimes when you're volunteering for an organization for whatever they give you a list of tasks what are you willing to do are you willing to send you know do mailings are you willing to visit you know people at home are you willing to do this this and maybe if we all came up with a master list like you said uh, before about all what all of your needs are 
coming up with that list and then giving it to your friends and family and say, listen, my, you know, I got a lot going on <laughs> and it would, and I had this idea that, you know, there are different ways that people can help. And if there's, and again, you want to give this to people who you think might say yes to at least some of them. You're not going to give it to somebody who, you know, is very self-centered and never helps them with anything. You want to give it to your friends because they might say, oh my God, I'd be happy to, you know, order these things online for you or call your insurance company or set up a play date with my kids, with your kids at this time every day. A lot of, you know, issues come up when we have other kids, when there are siblings and we have to take our kids to, to you know, after school programs or anything, uh, classes, and we have the other child that we may or may not be able to bring or it takes away from the experience of the other child having a weekly drop off with your child or have your friend come to your house. These could all be things on the list to little things that might make your life so much easier. And um, you're giving them the option to check off, you know, yeah, all of the above, some of the above one thing or no things. Yes, yes. And, and this is uh, something that we definitely should upload on our website as a resource for our listeners. And uh, I think that <laughs> It's, it's an important thing to know that it's okay also to be rejected. And mm -hmm. that, again, you'll have to probably approach sometimes like five different people to get uh, someone who will be not just willing to help you, that, uh, that when they help you, it's their right kind of help. And, yes. and, and that's okay. This is a process in which you get to know yourself better and you get to know your community and your friends a little better. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, there is all, all, almost like a method to the madness in terms of asking uh, for help and, and being in that position. But the other side of the coin to asking for help is also helping yourself become a more effective helper because even us with all the troubles and the extra work that we have in our life we can help other people oh, so that same list that you have in front of you of people and tasks that you need help with and from try to look at that again and ask yourself how can i help those people mm -hmm. not necessarily in return but in advance because maybe <laughs> one day you'll need their help with someone or something. So just to be a better friend to the people yes, in your life. Absolutely. And uh, we can because even if we are we are overloaded with tasks because of our unique lives, we can do a lot of things to help other people. And we should and we can. And that's how we're a community. We we, you know, we don't want to just ask for help. We want to be a part of the world and a part of the community and be a good friend. Just because we have you know, a unique set of circumstances doesn't mean that we we are now these needy people. We can provide a lot for other people. So thank you for pointing that out. Totally yes. true. And I think that this is something that, again, it took me a few years. And I, I have to say that uh, I, I don't know how it is for other people. And, uh, you know, maybe it also depends on the complexity of disability. But just the first few years were so kind of challenging and chaotic and uh, it took me a little bit to wake up to the fact that I'm now living a life that is kind of all about kindness, the kindness mm -hmm. of people that are caring for us and the kindness of caring for others in the community. And it just, I feel the whole experience really elevated our lives to, to yes. something that it wasn't in before. And I'm not like a spiritual person or anything mm -hmm. like that, but it just, it feels like that because 
it's it's almost like a daily thing for it's us. It's all that matters, you know. Yes. And I and I agree with you. I've had this conversation numerous times with parents. We just we are on another plane. I feel like we are on another plane, and what is the we have truly we've been kind of forced to realize that what really matters in life it's about being kind and yes. having people be kind to us, us being kind to other people, and how people make us feel and how we can make other people feel and. That's a beautiful thing. And again, I don't want to be corny either, but that is, that's what life is all about. And yes. not everybody gets to experience that. And, you know, we, I would love to be without all the other, the, the other stressful parts of, you know, of living this life. But you know what, this is, this ain't so bad. It's a real silver lining um, of, of, uh, you know, the challenges, some of the challenges we've been given is that we're forced to see to see things in a different way, and oftentimes it's a beautiful seeing things in a beautiful way. So, yes. let's. Uh, I think on that note, we can we can move on. We believe me, we will not drop this topic. We will be talking about helping and asking for help throughout our podcast. But um, I think this was a good start. What do you think, Iris? I think it was a great start and definitely a hot topic. And yeah. I would love again, if anyone is listening and want to share their stories of like, you know, asking for help, getting help that was not expected and how do they deal with this kind of change in the shift in the power paradigm in their life and from being a helper to the one needing help, that would be fantastic. And uh, there's always things for us to learn from the experiences of others. So please do share. True. All right, until next time. We'll Thank you, Alma. You and enjoy your week. <laughs> Bye. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you.